to the federal election campaign in more controversy today for the Trudeau liberals after cabinet minister Miriam Monsef made these comments regarding the Taliban earlier today. I want to take this opportunity to speak to our brothers, the Taliban. We call on you to ensure the safe and secure passage of any individual in Afghanistan out of the country. As you might imagine, those comments calling the Taliban brotherhood, certainly creating and stirring a lot of controversy. For more on this, here is crisis communicator Randy Rahamim from Taneo Strategies. She joins us now here on Global News Radio. Randy, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Okay, these comments, they are trending all over social media. Just how problematic is this for the liberal campaign, Justin Trudeau? You know, as as much as it's bothersome to many of us, I actually don't think it's going to be all that troubling for the campaign. And here's why. I mean, um, Minister Monsef came out and said this was a cultural reference um, that obviously she still considers them a terrorist organization. I think this will be a huge issue for um, Ms. Monsef herself within her own riding. But I don't see this really derailing the Liberal campaign. And I I think it's a huge political misstep, regardless of, you know, I can't speak to whether culturally that's an appropriate term. That's not my place to speak to. But what I can say is that it's a huge political misstep um, that she is communicating in Canada and that she should have known um, as a minister how this would be, uh, how this would come across. And so I think if I were Trudeau, I'd make her issue an apology uh, and a statement, uh, a more a more uh, definitive statement, and I would uh, let her own it. All right. How about Af- Afghan Afghanistan? Sorry, in general, the prime minister was asked about Afghanistan in a press conference in BC a short time ago, and whether or not he would consider coming off the uh, campaign trail in order to deal with the uh, crisis uh, there. Is that something you think he should consider doing? You know, the notion that you can't actually pursue democracy and manage international issues, I think that we have a a sophisticated enough political system that he can certainly manage both. I don't think it's justifiable to say we should halt uh, an election campaign. But I do think that we should be holding a speech to the fire to say, what are you doing about this? Like, there's a deadline. We're not getting people out fast enough. This is a massive humanitarian crisis. What are you doing about it? Like, don't talk to me about your housing plan. Talk to me about how we're going to help, you know, these these folks that put their lives on the line to support Canada and our commission. So I think, and, you know, 160, I think it was 160, correct me if I'm wrong, Jeff, 160 Canadian soldiers died in Afghanistan on this mission. This is not a small issue for Canada. Um, this is This should be a top priority for us. All right, let's talk about the Liberal campaign overall to date, because all of this comes after a, a tweet was flagged uh, by Twitter as misinformation made by Christia Freeland regarding comments from Aaron O'Toole in a two-tier health care system. Just overall, it, it seems as if the Liberals have stumbled out of the gate here. According to some polls, they've lost what was a five-point lead at the time the election was uh, called. How do you see it? How are they doing communicating their message so far, Randy? So I think they had a massive, I think you're right, Jeff, I think they had a very sluggish start. It almost felt like, first of all, they were talking in platitudes, they were regurgitating, uh, you know, messages from their budget. Uh, it felt like like 2015 all over again. And that message falls flat when you're in the middle of a pandemic and crisis. So uh, that was really annoying. I think we started to see a shift. A, with uh, the pursuit of these wedge issues. So that issue that you touched upon, private healthcare, making Canadians scared of 
Aaron O'Toole, that he's going to privatize health care, that he's for privatized health care. Those wedge issues play well for the Liberals. And we've also started to see more specific policy initiatives like housing being discussed more. So I think they had a sluggish start, but we're starting to see them move a little bit more towards specific policies, which I think will do well for them. And we start, we've seen, I have seen some polls in the last uh, day or so where there's been a bit of an uptick in, in polling. I think they gained three points um, in the last day or so. Now, all that is is moving. Uh, I think they had a very sluggish start, but they're doing better now. Okay, just before we move off the Liberals, why do you think they had a sluggish start? I mean, this is the third campaign that Justin Trudeau has been the uh, head of. They were the ones that called this election. And of course, there's this undercurrent of why. Why are we having an election? And is that a question maybe the Liberals themselves and the fact they wanted a, a majority are having a hard time answering? And that's maybe why they've had this sluggish start? I think it's really hard to find different ways to say, I want a better job. And that's quite honestly what why we're having this election, right? The Liberals want a majority, and their polling told them that now was the time before a fourth wave got worse. And so, yeah, they're struggling. They're struggling to say to say why to provide us with another reason as to why. Uh, and I think that that you're right. Uh, you know, they dictated the timing. They dict they knew that this was coming. It seemed like they were unprepared. So a shocking start for sure. Uh, I also think they thought they'd get more of a pass, more of a pass for media. That they maybe they underestimated the opposition slightly, um, but you know, and more of a pass from Canadians as to why we needed an election. I don't think they. I think they underestimated just how uh, how little stomach we have we have for this election. All right, let's shift to Aaron O'Toole and the Conservatives. As I mentioned, polls this week have got the Conservatives and the Liberals in a bit of a, a dead heat. But do you think that's because of something the Conservatives and Mr. O'Toole himself has uh, done out on the campaign trail? Or is it because of what we've been discussing here for the last uh, five minutes or so and the Liberals have kind of come back to the pack? Yeah, it's kind of like they've been giving the Liberals a ton of rope to hang themselves. But they have had some very interesting approaches in the, the studio uh, the studio in Ottawa is a very interesting approach to a campaign. I mean, they're managing most of their messages and, 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 and delivering most of their messages basically in a vacuum in a studio in Ottawa. And I think Canadians might have a stomach for this because right now we're doing a lot of things virtually, right? So the notion that he's not out on the road everywhere across the country, but is in fact, you know, um, has moved the campaign to a digital world, it, it brings into question, is this the future of campaigns? You know, I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know if some Canadians, let's say across the country, really want to see him on the ground in their communities, if that still matters in a pandemic world. Uh, but it definitely is an interesting approach. And the other thing that conservatives have going for them is a really solid social media machine. Um, they're very fast acting, very reactive. Sometimes they stumble, but they can make a media issue out of something very quickly. And so um, that machine, I think, will be very useful in this campaign. All right. And over to the NDP and Jugmeet Singh. What do you make of the way uh, Mr. Singh and the NDP campaign have uh, come out of the blocks in the first uh, week and a half? Have they been effective in communicating their message and winning people over? So in communicating their message, uh, Jeff, I think they've done the best job. I think Jugmeet, you know what Jugmeet stands for. Like the average Canadian knows that he, you know, he speaks in clear, bite-sized, um, you know, messages. He's got five top messages, let's say. He's going to taxi ultra-rich. He's, going, he's for vaccines. He's going to make life more affordable. He couldn't be clearer. Um, and I think that, you know, there are a couple of questions with Jugmeet. One is, are, you know, he's had a huge presence on TikTok. He's got about 700,000 followers on TikTok. He's been spending a lot of time courting them, communicating with them. Are the TikToks going to vote? 
And, uh, you know, we've seen in the, in the in American elections that, in fact, they do. Uh, but it's a question. Uh, and it's a question, will they vote and will they vote in the right places? And then secondly, um, you know, is are we going to see him become more strategic and move to start to attract more middle class Canadians? Maybe say you're not going to tax the doctors or heavily tax the doctors and the nurses and the people that, you know, that he needs to court to eat into the liberal vote. I think that 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 would be a strategic move for Jagmeet. Um, and if I were O'Toole, I would also start. Uh, well, we've already seen evidence of O'Toole trying to encourage, you know, and prop up the NDP. But all this strategic voting message, I think we're going to see more and more of. Right? We're going to see the Liberals say, you know, it's really important that you vote for um, that you vote for the Liberals to keep the Conservatives out. We're the only ones that can do it. We're going to see the Conservatives say that prop up the NDP a little bit more to try and split the Liberal vote. Right. And I was going to ask you, do you think that that is Jagmeet Singh's biggest challenge, probably in the closing weeks of the campaign? Because we're already hearing it. uh, I mean, this is a short campaign, only some 36 days. But is his biggest challenge is to somehow overcome that argument that a vote for him and the NDP is really a vote for the uh, conservatives? For sure. And I think that's one of the the biggest challenges he's going to have to overcome. And also, quite honestly, not to be so scary to the middle class that that think that, you know, it's just not economically feasible to vote for the NDP. I think that he's got to make himself seem like a more uh, credible choice, a less fearful choice for middle class Canadians. All right. We'll leave it there uh, for now. Randy, really appreciate the time and the analysis. Thanks so much for jumping on with us. Thanks, Jeff. Randy Rahamim, crisis communicator with Taneo Strategies, looking at the uh, leaders in the uh, first uh, week and a half, almost two weeks of the uh, federal election campaign here on Global News Radio. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.